Hello, welcome to Reflections, One Therapist's Perspective on Mental Health. Today, I will be sharing my perspective on the question of when to go see a therapist. My name is Michael Mann. I am an associate marriage and family therapist. I am supervised by the wonderful Natasha Morisawa, and I practice in the San Gabriel Valley, specifically in Pasadena and Monrovia. That would be in Southern California. And a quick note before I go any further. Many times as therapists, we encounter some questions that are potentially a little dangerous. We tend to be a crowd that are very careful about the words that we use. And this is one of those times where I need to be careful. If you believe that you should go see a therapist, or if someone that you trust around you, or someone that cares about you, has suggested that you go check out therapy, follow their advice. I'm not here to advise you on your particular circumstance. I'm just here to share the way that I think about this question, just from, from my perspective. And that's all this is. This is just my perspective. With that being said, as I started thinking about my perspective on this question of when to go see a therapist, I realized that there are some underlying assumptions about what mental health is that I need to address first. Now, right now, from my perspective, again, um, but also probably from a lot of different therapists' perspectives, there are kind of two competing, you might call them perspectives, you might even use a more lofty term like a worldview that are out there. Uh, the first one, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to play this perspective as the villain in the story, but often it is. This perspective we call the medical model. The medical model is used in the medical world. It comes from the medical world. And if you think of what a doctor does, a doctor often is fixing broken things. Now, when you bring that into mental health, fixing broken things, you begin to have a perspective that focuses on deficits. The purpose of mental health becomes bringing someone back to proper functioning, to average functioning, to getting along. At first glance, this seems fine. It works when you see your primary care doctor, but there are some, some deep problems and limitations when it comes to working with people. And perhaps that is best shown through another perspective, through an alternate worldview than the medical model. The alternate way of thinking, uh, I don't know exactly what, there, there's probably a term out there for it, but I'm going to describe it as the perspective of growth and flourishing. This is the assumption that our natural trajectory in life ought to be toward growth, toward maturity, toward wisdom, toward good life, toward good, healthy relationships. This perspective often values most the strengths that someone has within them. It's not as much concerned about deficits. While deficits are important to keep in mind, the the holds the the things that are going to bear fruit in the work are someone's assets someone's strengths 
the unique gifts that they bring. In fact, from this perspective, the perspective of growth and flourishing, if we focus too much on deficits, we begin to shape and constrain our perspective. Suddenly, all we can see is where we are messed up, or all our clients are able to see is what's wrong with them. So as I answer this question of when to go see a therapist, I want to try to hold on to the perspective, the worldview, the way of, the way of operating that is a growth and flourishing model. Now, these two perspectives shape a lot of what we do as therapists and also who we are as therapists, how we think about ourselves. Most importantly, it shapes how I see you and how I see what you're capable of. So as we shift our perspective, let's, let's try that on and tweak the way that we think about some things. In, in, in therapy, two of the main, the main kind of popular things to come up are anxiety and depression. From the medical model perspective, anxiety is a bad thing. Anxiety is a list of symptoms And I, in fact, have a book that I could pull out, and I can list the symptoms from the medical model that describes what anxiety is. It's interesting to note that this list of symptoms isn't really causal. It's, it, it has nothing to do with, uh, with why someone has anxiety. It's more about identifying symptoms. And if we pull ourselves out of a medical model and we start thinking in terms of our natural trajectory being growth and flourishing, or at least how that ought to be our natural trajectory, we get a different perspective of what anxiety is. Anxiety has the potential of being something positive. Anxiety simply ought to be a move to action. If you're a student and you have a test coming up, if you have no anxiety about your grade or how you do on a test, you're not going to be very motivated to study. But if you have a tiny little bit or an appropriate amount of anxiety, that is going to drive you toward positive action, toward studying for your test, and hopefully, well, you'll study, you'll do better on your test than if you didn't study, and that will lead toward growth and flourishing. But we probably all know that if you turn up the dial on anxiety, it can become debilitating. You can become so anxious that thinking about studying for that test becomes overwhelming. Your heart starts to pound, you start to lose focus, and suddenly you can't, you just can't do it. That does not lead you towards growth and flourishing. And that's That's when we have an issue that we need to work on, when anxiety becomes too powerful. Same thing with depression. If we stop and take a realistic look at what life is, what life contains, life contains pain. It contains uncertainty. It contains injustice. That's life. That's the reality of life. And there are appropriate responses to that, which we might label as sadness, as feeling down, 
as some of those elements of what we call depression. Depression or sadness causes us to stop and think, to look inward at ourselves, to try to figure out where is meaning in life? Do I have hope for the future? And again, as we take time to take a deeper look at life, to have a more richer understanding of the complexities of life, the ups and downs, the pains, the sorrows, hopefully that leads us to wisdom, to better understanding. Hopefully that leads us to compassion because people around us inevitably are also going to experience pain. And being able to feel that with them is a tremendous gift that brings us closer in relationship to the people around us. However, we also know that if you turn up the dial on sadness, on hopelessness, on despair, again, it can become debilitating. So perhaps we can shift our perspective. Instead of thinking about mental illness, I put that in quotes, mental illness, because that's, that's a term that comes straight out of the medical model. Thinking of things that go on with us as illness. Instead of thinking them as a list of symptoms that we need to eradicate, get rid of, perhaps we can think of mental illness as a way that we get stuck, that we can't grow, that we start to regress in life. Now, by no means do I mean to throw out the, the set of conditions that the medical community defines as mental illness for us. A lot of those things are very helpful. It's helpful for me to know what to look for in terms of like depression or anxiety or bipolar or schizophrenia. It's important for me to have an understanding of what that often looks like. The medical model is also very important because we are physical creatures. More and more we're coming to an understanding that who we are mentally and relationally is intertwined so deeply with who we are physically. As much as we are relational beings, we are also brain chemistry beings. And for some things, it's really important not to lose sight of that. For example, coming back to depression, for some people, their depression has just as much to do with their brain chemistry being different than it does about their life circumstance. And so viewing their symptoms from a medical perspective can be helpful. However, when you look at the clients that I work with, not everyone fits those criteria, fits one of those diagnoses. And here's where this different perspective of growth uh, shapes the question of when to go see a therapist. Especially since, since I've been trained as a marriage and family therapist, much of my perspective is in terms of relationships. If you look through the criteria for what the medical community deems mental illness, it's not really a relational way of looking at people. So when I think about clients that I have or that I've had that don't fit those boxes of mental illness, uh, there are kind of two groups that I think of. Uh, one is when it's an issue of severity. So in order to receive a mental illness diagnosis, you need to 
have symptoms that are severe enough to fit those criteria. Everyone feels sad. That doesn't mean that you're that you have depression, but that still can impede your growth and flourishing in life. Now, I've worked in settings where you had to meet those criteria. I'm not going to go as far as to say that those are artificial criteria, but there is something that kind of feels artificial about it. Because I can sit across from someone who is struggling with anxiety, and they fit these criteria, and so I can treat them. But I've also sat across from other people that are struggling with anxiety, and it's affecting their life probably just as much, but they happen to not quite meet all the criteria. The severity of their symptoms is not quite up to that level. Now, in those settings, it was unfortunate because I couldn't really help those people. I tried to as much as I could, but my hands were tied. However, right now I'm working in private practice. The downside is that uh, my clients are private pay, so they're paying out of pocket. But one of the tremendous advantages is if you want help, I can provide it. You don't have to fit into this box of mental illness. Okay. Another possibility, uh, another, another category of people that don't quite fit a diagnosis, and it's a big category, relational issues. Diagnoses are almost always about individual issues, but we live relationally. And if you stop and think about it, a lot of the kind of cliche reasons for going to therapy have to do with your relationship. Uh, if your marriage is in trouble, therapist is a good person to check in with. I've worked with a lot of people that are struggling in relationships that don't meet a criteria of mental illness. They're, the criteria that me, they meet is that their relationship is not great and they need help. And that's what I'm here for. So I've seen a lot of different people with a lot of different reasons to come to therapy who have also benefited from therapy. Now, I need to throw out a misconception that really bugs me at several different levels. Have you heard or said any of these things? You have to be crazy to go see a therapist. Or therapy is for crazy people. Or if I go to therapy, that means that I'm crazy. Those thoughts, unfortunately, have done a lot of harm. So many people who have been hurting, suffering, needing mental health care have not gotten the help that they need, the help that they would benefit from because of this, this way of thinking. And I mean, let's think about this for a moment. What exactly is crazy? Is the teenager who has trouble making friends because every time he's around other people, his heart starts pounding and he feels so nervous and he just can't get rid of that feeling. Is he crazy? Or how about the woman who feels really down, unmotivated every single day, who just doesn't have anything to look forward to, who struggles to get out of bed because what's the point? Would you call that person crazy? Or how about the couple who's going through a rough patch, who finds themselves arguing every single day about the stupidest things, who just feel stuck? Are they crazy? I, I don't suspect 
that those people are the crazy people that you think of, but those are all people who therapy would be really good for. What I do suspect is that what people mean when they say crazy is more severe and kind of life-altering mental health issues such as schizophrenia or bipolar. Uh, Movies, TV shows, rumors, stories, so much has led to some nasty, really sticky stigma against people with a variety of mental health conditions. And that stigma has led to so much shame, so much isolation, so much hatred against fellow human beings that exist with the same hopes, the same dreams, the same insecurities and struggles, the same joy and sorrow as you do. And so I vote for a compassionate understanding of the things that people struggle with, not stigma, not labels like crazy, but I digress. So here we go. What are some indicators that you should check out therapy? This is by no means an exhaustive list, but here's some things that kind of fit into some categories. Uh, you, you tell me to think about this for another week. The categories might be different. The items might be different, but right now, here we are. Okay, some red flag issues, some things that you should really hurry and find help. Uh, suicidal thoughts, thoughts of harming yourself or thoughts of harming other people. Uh, if you start to see or hear or feel things that aren't really there, or if you are in crisis, those are all excellent reasons to find a therapist to seek out good mental health treatment. Next category, I call these functioning issues, um, for whatever that's worth. These are things like when you feel out of control. Uh, that can also have to do with addiction. Addiction, whether that's um, like alcohol or drugs, substances, or addiction can just as much be about gambling. It can be video games. It can be about sex or love. We can become addicted to a lot of different things. Or... If you feel stuck, if you're just in a rut, if you don't feel like yourself, or you've noticed some changes in how you've been acting or how you've been relating to other people around you, these are all, these are all things where the way that we function in life has kind of changed. And often it's just kind of this gut feeling that something's not right. Those are good indicators that you should seek out a therapist. See if that's probably something that's going to be helpful for you. Also related to how we function as human beings is another important thing that psychotherapy brings to people. If you need a place to feel cared for and to feel nurtured, if you need a place where you can grow and be pushed to grow, therapy is a great place for that. Again, this, this is where when we start to think about mental health as a way to promote growth, to promote good life, um, this is where therapy shines. When it's not just trying to fix deficits, 
or fix things that, that are wrong with you, but when our goal is to help you thrive. So if you need a place to help you thrive, therapy would be great for that. Or if you've been having a hard time taking care of yourself or coping with things that have been going on in life, therapy would be great for that. There's a third category that I call systemic issues, um, issues that kind of have possibly been lingering for quite a while that have to do with things like family structure. Um, These would be things such as if you have a history of trauma or a history of abuse, uh, especially if you have not had a chance to really process that trauma. If you have a history of failed relationships or dysfunctional relationships, or if you find yourself in marital or family conflict, those again are good indicators that you might want to check out therapy. So that's as close as I'm going to get to a list, but I have some final little notes. You are the holder of your story, and you have a unique story. So right now, wherever you are, just take a moment to stop and think about your story, about its past, about where it's headed. As you think about that, how does it sit with you? What does your gut say about your story, about the life that you're living? Now, most therapists that I know always start the process with a free consultation, whether that's over the phone or in person. They will have a conversation about you where uh, you can tell them a little bit about your story, about concerns that you have, and that is an opportunity for you to ask them if therapy might be something that would be beneficial. Most therapists start with a consultation because part of our ethical mandate, the way that we are supposed to operate as therapists, is there are certain issues that we are equipped to help you through. And that consultation is an opportunity both for you to get a feeling about who the therapist is and a feeling for what they're like, but also for that therapist to get a picture of what you're going through and to figure out if they are equipped to help you, but also if psychotherapy would be the best course of action for you. Now, I'm going to do another totally separate episode about the issue of how to find a therapist, but a good place to start is to ask around, see if anyone that you know has found a therapist that they've liked. Uh, Psychology Today uh, website, a lot of therapists have uh, kind of a profile on there where you can get in contact with therapists. Um, And also professional organizations can be great resources for finding therapists that are not only practicing, but are plugged into their professional community and have relationships with other therapists, which is important. I'm in California, so uh, the big one is CAMFT, the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists. CAMFT has local chapters. Uh, In San Gabriel Valley, there's a San Gabriel Valley chapter of CAMFT, and they have their own list of therapists that are a part of them. Those are great places to start your search for a good therapist. Finally, I would urge you 
to go in to see a therapist sooner rather than later. If it's already later for you, find a therapist, get some help. But if when you stop to think about your life, if you see some things that are maybe going downhill, you have some concerns that are starting to crop up, invest in yourself right now. Find a therapist now because right now is going to be the easiest time for you to change the trajectory of your life and to start making some positive changes. Ultimately, the way that I see it, my perspective is that if you're seeking to find a safe place to grow, check out therapy. I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope that this has brought about a deeper understanding of the seemingly simple question of when should you go find a therapist? As always, get in contact with me if you have any questions about therapy or mental health that you would like answered. And now as we come to a close, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Know that you are special, unique, and valued. And remember to take care of yourself. Finding help is a sign of strength.